You're listening to The Mix on Civ Mix, hosted by Liz Benjamin and Joe Bonilla. Welcome back to The Mix, everyone. This is Joe Bonilla. Last Friday, Governor Cuomo concluded with a almost a, a, a resolute desk appearance of a, uh, of a briefing. 111 days in a row of daily press briefings in response to the coronavirus pandemic. And this was unprecedented because, you know, this is a governor who has not done that sort of thing in terms of a daily uh, or weekly um, availability to the Albany Press Corps, you know, better known as the LCA here in Albany. And, you know, there were a number of these press briefings that took place in the Red Room, which is the ceremonial office for the governor located inside the Capitol. Uh, But also there were a number of these events across the state. There was one at the, um, the Tappan Zee bridge. There was one uh, at uh, Marist college. I mean, they were all over the state and, you know, the governor went from a, a campaign for the state to obtain more PPE and ventilators uh, to ensure that the state had enough capacity because at one point we were looking at if the the projections were a certain way, we wouldn't have enough hospital rooms, we wouldn't have enough ICU bedrooms, uh, all of that together. And so we went from that focus on preparation, and as the caseload uh, started to decline because of better testing uh, across the board, we the state focused on then the reopening of the economy in this four-phase uh, method that they're looking at right now. And, you know, a number of, you know, we're going from phase one to phase two, phase three, to eventually phase four. Phase four being the big one for a lot of people where, you know, you can go to uh, the gym, you can go to the movies, you can go to a concert, you can go to a number of different places. And, you know, as the governor has now concluded these daily briefings, it's now the focus is even greater now on local officials. And so we had the opportunity to speak with uh, two dynamic leaders here in the capital region who have been leading their county's responses to the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, the first is County Executive Steve McLaughlin. Steve uh, is a former member of the New York State Assembly, and he was elected as Rensselaer County Executive in 2017. He's a former pilot and the banker. And, you know, the county executive has been a, a, a pretty vocal critic of the governor's response, especially as it related to the, the reopening of the economy. We also spoke to County Executive Dan McCoy. Uh, Dan is a former Albany County legislator and the legislature chairman from Albany County. He's also a former firefighter. So we spoke to the county executive there about what Albany County's response has been. And, you know, we also, we asked both of them, uh, you know, what would be, what is the role of counties in this, in this pandemic as, you know, the governor said last week that when the need arised, he would then return to these, these briefings, albeit not daily, but still to have some sort of presence. So, you know, both County Executive McLaughlin and County Executive McCoy have done daily briefings. Um, They've done them, again, you can get them on Facebook Live, you can see them on Twitter, and you know the and you and usually both are joined by their their top health official, but in the county uh, for their respective counties. So, you know, we spoke to both of them, and without any further ado, here is Liz Benjamin. Well, 
we're back in the mix and we have an illustrious individual with us. He is the dog dad of Batman. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I prefer to think of him, but most people know him as Rensselaer County Executive Steve McLaughlin. And it's wonderful to have you here. I haven't seen you in a dog's age, sir. So uh, it's great. I know. You know, that, I like that. I like that title, though. The dog dad of Batman. That's pretty good. I like well, that. Some people don't know who Batman is. Batman is your dog, your beautiful black and white. What is he a boxer? No, he's a Frenchie. He's a French bulldog. Yeah. And he's got that fabulous squished in face and he's got a great little personality and you used to bring him to the studio with you. Yep. And if you did not bring him to the studio, we sent you home. That's true. <laughs> You, that's because that's who you wanted to see, not me. You wanted to see that's the dog. Right. I, was just a, I just had to be along because I had the driver's license to bring him there. But well, yeah, you, wanted- you never know. You know, he may uh, surpass your expectations. So but he is a superhero. Very smart man. Dog. Dog man. <laughs> <laughs> so in all in all seriousness, though, I mean, it has been who knew? I mean, you knew you wanted to be the head of your own sort of situation. So you left the assembly where you were making waves and you went and made waves in Rensselaer County mm-hmm. um, as the county executive. But you did not know that you would be, um, I don't know, infamous, I guess. Maybe you were. Maybe it's in your blood. <laughs> I don't try to be. I just speak my mind and you know, whatever happens, happens. It seems to work for me. I don't tend to sugarcoat things or hold back. I guess that's the way I was brought up and raised, just kind of tell it like it is. I think the feedback I get is a, a lot of people really like it and some people really don't like it, but I, I am who I am. And I think I have a, 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 a try to be the voice of the people, at least as many people as I can and get their points across and, and just do the best I can every day. It seems to be working. I think we're having great success so far. Well, but you also managed to be, you know, not everybody who has been following your career. I mean, if they weren't following your career, they wouldn't know that you've been sort of um, critical of the governor or a thorn in his side for a really long time. So it was not surprising to me when I saw that you disagreed with his reopening strategy. Yeah, I mean, well, for, for a while there, it was okay. And, and it, it seemed like, you know, it was moving along, kind of understood the shutdown, um, got that. But then he just kind of went off the rails with the changing guidance and and no consistency and no real direction. and. You know, then we put the control rooms together and then we find out, I guess, we're not really needed because he has this international team of experts. So it's just sort of he's been all over the place. And that's, I think, mostly what what I've been critical of, as well as just the the, you know, as I was saying earlier, when, when you have the mayor of Albany, Kathy Sheehan and Steve McLaughlin on the exact same page on a control mm-hmm. room call saying, what the heck is going on here? Or why can't we get answers? Uh, and we're trying to help our people. And I think anybody, Republican, Democrat, whatever, if they're doing it for the right reasons, they're trying to help people and they're trying to help them in the best way that they know how to help them. But right. Kathy and I would definitely come at it from a different angle. Uh, and Dan McCoy, same thing. But we're all on those calls going, why can't we get answers from you people? What is taking so long? Aside from the fact, Liz, that I'm a county executive, I really shouldn't need a control room to get answers from a governor of a state. I should be on the phone directly with him saying, this is what we're looking to do, this is what we need. There's zero communication between the governor and the counties 
and the county executives. And that's been a, a source of frustration. So, well, you know, interesting, though, uh, in particular, I read, I think it was Politico today. You know, today was the governor's or is, um, as you and I and, and Joe are speaking, but final swan song daily press briefing. Therapy session. Well, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, what's interesting is that for months back when I was a reporter covering the Cuomo administration, we railed against the fact that you never saw the guy. He never, he he almost never had a press briefing. Then he was available every single day and you could just ask him whatever. Now of late, he has cut off the questions and um, kept things shorter and it's gotten a little repetitive and he's moved into some other areas such as police reform, which one might argue also dovetails into the coronavirus situation because protesters are in the street and we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, But I did see an interesting buried in this political story was concerns raised by local government officials who said, if they don't have this daily briefing, they don't know how they're gonna get in touch with the governor. Yeah, that's true. I mean, literally, through this entire crisis, there has been one and only one Zoom call, and that was last Friday, when basically we're pretty much back to quote unquote normal. Things are opening back up. We've got people coming back to work. Things have definitely calmed down. That's the time that he gets on one Zoom call. He never spoke to us through March and April and February, all of that. We were, it was silence. We couldn't get any answers. So uh, that was exceptionally frustrating because the county executives, uh, to a very large extent, and the county managers, it was really the counties that were handling a ton of this day-to-day, uh, day-to-day crisis management and, and keeping things moving. And to not have that access to them was frustrating. And then you go in to something. I give you a couple of good examples. You know, phase one of the reopening here in the capital district was delayed by five days because suddenly the state couldn't count hospitalization numbers. So we're on a control room call and the state, you know, Pat Murphy was a great guy. I mean, General Murphy, fantastic guy. He's going through hospitalization numbers and he gets to us and he says, you know, Rensselaer County 11, Albany County, whatever number they put out there. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, stop, stop, stop. That's a hundred percent wrong literally you're off by over 100 percent. you're telling me i have 11 i only have five in the hospital and then dan mccoy chimes in yeah my numbers are off by about 14 or 15 and all the other counties are saying yeah you're off your your numbers aren't right well rather than address that rapidly the state takes five days costing businesses and restaurants and all these things that could have opened another five days which is critical and then they come back and say, oh, no, the metrics look so much better. You can open now. It wasn't that the metrics look better. It's that they couldn't count the hospitalizations correctly. So that was a phase one frustration that cost us five days. And we're saying, just address that. Just fix the fact that you made a mistake and we don't have this many people in the hospital. Therefore, we do meet your metrics. Therefore, we can open. They wouldn't do it. They dig their heels in. Then so, we get to but, phase. Yeah, go ahead. Well, but before you even go there, I mean, some, you, all, you also personally made a decision about the county nursing home, did you not? Yeah, we did. And I, I tell you, I think, that, you know, there's a huge ProPublic article. You've probably read that. It was all over the New York Post. I think it might be the best thing that I've ever done in politics was to read that order and know immediately this is awful, this is wrong, this is going to kill people. And I immediately called uh, our one county-run nursing home, Van Rensselaer Manor. I said, you know, I'm quoted as saying, not now, not ever. That's what I did say. I said, you will never, ever obey that exec- executive order. You will not take anybody in that's positive COVID. 
and you will absolutely test every person before they come in and they don't come in until the results come back. Well, and, and because thank of that, God. did you not have, didn't you have no deaths? Did you even have any infections? We had no deaths, thank God. We had um, four or five, I think we had five of our workers were positive, two of whom got fired because they knew they were sick. One of them had been in the emergency room just a day or two before that, came to work sick. That's a wanton yeah. disregard for human life. I fired those two immediately. The other couple of folks were asymptomatic and, and you know, that's no fault of their own. So they're, they're okay. We had one lady who was 94 years old and tested positive. I immediately, um, as you know, I'm a former airline pilot, so I do understand airflow and ventilation and everything else. So we immediately sealed off her room, uh, the vents, because the, the history of this is, is going to show the, the postmortem on this is going to show that ventilation systems were killing a lot of our seniors. So we blocked off the vents in her room. We cycled there in and out from the outside. And I immediately called Samaritan Hospital and said, you have to take her. You have to get her out of that facility to protect not only her, but the facility. Samaritan did that. She spent 10 days in the hospital and God bless her. She's fine. She's healthy. And she got through it and she's back safely in the manor. But we had no deaths. And, you know, there's no way that, you know, I, I, I can come across as hard and, and, you know, and, and, you know, rough and tumble and all that, but I'm also got a big heart and there's no way I wanted that on my conscience to have anybody uh, pass away. And, and just, we tried to do absolutely everything we could, including some really high tech sanitization that most people don't even know about or are embracing. And they should be because it's something that not only wipes out every bacteria and virus, it also lasts 90 days. So well, we've, we've done a lot. County executive, there's two things that I think that are really important that are still sort of hanging out there that are, that are again, attendant, to this crisis. I mean, A is the financial situation. Now the governor said, I think it was yesterday in his press conference, I don't really see the need to tell any of you about what the budget cuts are gonna be because I'm pretty sure that Washington's gonna come through with money. So how long can you as a local government official hang on the vine waiting to know? I mean, I guess, you know, we just had a school budget votes and like most of the school budgets actually passed and uh, Rensselaer's did not, it did have a, a, that's where I live, it did have a, a tax increase and people were angry. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very uncertain moment. It is, and it's also an issue of transparency and fairness. Like, What right, Governor, do you have not to tell us what may be coming? And I can tell you, Hudson Valley Community College has already been warned earlier uh, this year, has as every state uh, college that gets some state aid, prepare for up to a 50% cut mm -hmm. in aid. That, those words have never been spoken in the state that I know of. A 50% cut is draconian. So it's an issue of transparency and fairness. I mean, what right do you as a governor have to hide that financial information from the people of New York. They have well, every right to know and prepare. As, uh, a, as a Republican, though, I mean, you, I know you in the past have been very much against tax increases, but you're seeing people say, okay, 50% or whatever have you, you know, that the governor ends up cutting is draconian. Maybe it's time to, to, to raise taxes, to tax the rich or to maybe some other revenue generation capability like uh, uh, legalization of adult use marijuana. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I would say that we've tried that. We've taxed the rich and the governor's one of the few things I agree with him on is when he says, if you tax the rich, they're going to leave. And they are. I mean, there'd be over a million well, people. Not all They don't want to live in New York City in the middle of a pandemic, mostly. Well, I mean, but we also- that The real estate in Hudson Valley is off the charts. 
yeah, same thing in Rensselaer County. My next door neighbor's a realtor and he's like, it's insane what's going on. Really? People are, are just bidding things through the roof. And I think you're going to see an exodus. I think, I think the journal did a piece on that about the coming urban exodus. Uh, but also don't forget that he's been in office 10 years and over a million people have packed up and left New York. I don't think the answer is more taxation. I think it's more opportunity and more businesses. You know, I think that would be our approach or my approach. I think here in Rensselaer County, thankfully, uh, we were very, very tight with a buck. I cut taxes twice. Uh, I increased our surplus by about $20 million in just a couple of years. And we borrowed no money. We didn't bond a single dime since I've been in office in three years. And we've, we've, um, we've retired 20 million in debt. All of that bodes well for us financially. We just got our audit back, our independent audit. We're exceptionally strong. I can't say that's the same case. I can't speak for any other county, but you have counties and cities that are going to be looking for short-term debt just to make payroll well, if this economy doesn't open back up. You're also going to see an interesting report I think um, I, I read too many headlines, so forgive me, but you're going to see um, Medicaid grow because you see the unemployment rolls grow. And so people have lost their private insurance through their employers and they need mm -hmm. health care and we need health care desperately at this moment because, again, we're in the middle of a pandemic that demonstrated that people who had comorbidity or if you will, I mean, if you if you mm -hmm. had health problems and also if you were on the older end, you had you know, a higher likelihood of not having a good outcome if you got infected. So all of this sort of speaks to a, a need to rethink the way that we address public health and, you know, Medicaid and education account for the lion's share of state spending in the budget every year. I'm not. Yeah, you, you, you're you're spot on with all of that. And if you back to my uh, when I, I'm doing my Facebook lives almost every day, we're starting to trim them back now as well. Uh, but months ago, I was talking about that exact thing that not only. Uh, are they going to look at cutting Medicaid reimbursement rates because that's where the money is there in education. They're yeah. going to look to cut there, but we're also going to see an increased, enormously increased risk as more and more people need Medicaid and, and lose their jobs. So yes, it's almost like this perfect storm of horribleness. That's not even a word, but you know, it's this perfect storm of trouble. Uh, and the only way that I know how to dig your way out of that is economic opportunity and growth and get the engine going again, uh, which is why we've been pushing so much to say, look, you have to understand that, yes, we had a serious situation. We definitely did shut down for a while. That was OK. But then for far too long and, and every doctor I spoke to was saying the same thing, including the head of Albany Med, Dr. McKenna was saying, you've got to open. You are hurting more people by staying closed than you are by opening. So that's why I began to push back at a lot of his stuff and say, look, but, enough's enough. We, we're, we're crushing people by staying closed here. So, and I do wanna, uh, unfortunately, this always happens. Like I get these, the, the folks that I haven't spoken to in a while and then I feel like I need to talk to them for hours, but unfortunately I don't have hours. It's Joe's fault really. So you can- It is, it's always Joe's fault. It's always Joe's fault. <laughs> Joe, he- That's not fair. Uh, but we love you. So I do wanna ask you this in all seriousness and, and unfortunately, again, I say to everybody, we're gonna have you back. And at some point we'll go back to the beginning and recycle through all of our guests and touch them again, hopefully in terms of interviews. Mm -hmm. But this issue regarding police reform, I mean, I don't know how much the county has to say about that. I mean, you have a sheriff's department, obviously. You have a district attorney that, you know, that gets funded through the county. But uh, 
you know, is there room for reform in Rensselaer County when it comes to the way that the police interact with the public, people of color in particular? Well, I do think, of course, I would say, yes, you can always get better in anything that we're doing in life or in government or anywhere, any aspect, you always look to improve. Uh, I do think that historically in Rensselaer County, it, it, it's not been a, a real hot button issue. It hasn't been, there, there's been decent relations there and there should be. I think, you know, a lot of folks will tell you, you know, we get along great. We, you know, people tend to get along really well. There's definitely issues that arise. There's no question. I don't want to sugarcoat it and say everything's perfect here. It's not. But yes, you can definitely reform. But I think the way you do that is is methodically not reactionary. You just say, okay, listen, we're, you, let's let's talk. What can we do to do things better? What's going to help? And, and I think that's the the conversation that always needs to be had, no matter what it is. So yeah, I think there's there's room for reform, but I some of the knee jerk stuff that, just doesn't work. Right. I knew you were going to say that. Does that include? And this is the last one I'll, I'll get you with, but it does sort of tie us all back up in a pretty little bow because. People are saying, does that, should that include the defunding, which really is about reallocation of now scant resources. We come to a place where we don't have a lot and you can squeeze the rock as hard as you like and, and economic revitalization certainly will be beneficial, but it takes a while for the resources to be realized. I mean, for people to pay taxes and to get up and running in their revenues. So does there need to be a reallocation of resources away from law enforcement and into say, what have you, education, public health or whatever? Well, I mean, we spend more than any other state in the nation on education. I don't know where it is now, over 20,000 per student. There's already an enormous amount of money going there. We spend an enormous amount of money on social service programs. And yes, we spend an enormous amount of money on the police. I don't think that lessening their ability to do their job is going to make things better out there. I just think it can invite a little bit more chaos if you do that. So I think there's room for both. I'm not a defund the police guy by any stretch. I, I'm a law and order guy. And I think uh, that you've got to have law and order in society or else you're going to have chaos and you're going to have chads, you mm -hmm. know, which what's going on out in Seattle. Uh, and I think what you're going to see in Atlanta, if the, if the folks walk off the job, if the police walk off the job, uh, you're going to have some problems out there. And I think most people out there just want to live their life in peace and they just want to be able to go about their business and certainly they don't want to get harassed. Of course not. But they'd also, they also want uh, somebody to respond if there's a real problem, they pick that phone up. So I think that's a careful what you wish for type of argument. And if you get it, you're going to regret the heck out of that. So I think you, you allocate things as correctly as you can and you make adjustments where you need to. But this defund the police, I think, is a dangerous movement, in my opinion. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Um, I think we packed quite a bit in, considering. Thank you so much, County Executive. Uh, oh, it's fun. It's it's always good talking with you for sure. Definitely. And we'll Next time back. I'll have I'll have Batman here with me. At least he'll be in the office, so you can uh, you can feel his presence even if he's his not doggy here. presence. And we and we'll stop picking on you, Joe. I'm so oh, that sorry. that'd be nice for once. <laughs> well, Bye. Liz, Liz will. I won't, Joe. Oh, will, I won't. oh boy. <laughs> Bye. Have a good day. You too. Are you looking to reach a diverse audience? Advertise with CivMix today. Visit CivMix.com to learn more. Are you ready to rise and shine? Read up on the latest news and happenings taking place in your community each weekday morning on CivMix.com. 
Sign up to receive Rise and Shine in your inbox. Sith Mix, it's where it's at. Catch new episodes of The Mix each week exclusively on SivMix.com. We are back in the mix. It's like double county executive day, which is awesome. Dan McCoy is with us from Albany County. He is a Democrat. He is, how long have you been in office now, sir? A while. I'm, I, I, a while. I'm, on my, I'm going into my ninth, well, yeah, eight and a half years. Wow. Yes. A while. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and there's really no training or preparation for what we've been through. I mean, never in a million years could you have thought, oh, I'm going to be the CEO of a county and lead it through an unprecedented public health crisis. That is correct. It's uh, There was no book written in this. And, you know, again, a lot of decisions were being made in a split second. And some of them were correct. Some of them weren't. Uh, but we had to figure out how to write the rules for what we are dealing with as we continue to move forward. There has been among local government officials, we are speaking also to Steve McLaughlin uh, in this podcast today, there's been frustration with the state. I mean, you say some decisions were right, some decisions were wrong. So, you know, the state certainly made some missteps. And in terms of communication, do you think things could have gone better? You know, it, it, I said this, Liz, uh, before in time and time again at press conferences, it's it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback, right? And I can point the finger and I can say, well, they didn't do this right. They didn't do that right. Um, because I didn't have to make the decision, but they took that power away from us early on, right? They stripped all the county executives um, of their, their authority to shut down or open up or do different things. Well, uh, hey, did that make you mad? I mean, no, yeah. hey, well, you know, it, it would have been better in a partnership. Um, you know, I, I've said this. Things work better when you work together. Uh, I'm president of NISAC, New York State Association of Counties, and I'm president of County Executives of America. So I was talking to a variety of other uh, elected officials across this country, and we were talking through this crisis, what they were doing, what they weren't doing, sharing ideas. I was working with Rapid Indiana. They actually lo- they were watching our briefings every day. So we can learn from each other. But I said it time and time again. I'm on their playing field and they make the rules. So I, I said to Steve, I, you know, I would talk, Steve and I would talk almost every night and I'd say, well, you can adjust to the new rules or you can continue just to fight back. And my problem is we, like you said earlier on, we have this epidemic and uh, we have to deal with it and we have to get through this crisis. And uh, there'll be time down the road to point the finger, what was done right, what was done wrong. Um, But right now, you know, even though we're going into our 15th week of this, we just completed 14 weeks. We're on our hundred day here in Albany County. Uh, wow. You know, we're still we're still not out of the woods yet. You know, it's still out there, and people. You know, I said this earlier today. I was out yesterday, and people are going, McCoy, I'm done with it. I'm like, done with what? And I thought, you know, they were going to say something else. They're like, I'm done with this virus. I'm not playing this game anymore. I'm like, well, it's not a game. And it wasn't just one person. It wasn't. And it was all walks of of life. It was everybody saying, I'm done. I'm mm-hmm. done home. I'm out. You're not closing me down again. Um, I'm not playing by the rules. And it's like, yeah, that was tough. And the other thing, Liz, that you get this um, from the multiple hats that you've worn over the years, the hardest question I kept getting from social media, people call my office, people hammer me out. They go, okay, you can have 11,000 protesters in downtown Troy, but now it's going to threaten to close my restaurant down because I'm not socially distanced. So if you buy by the law, you don't have to, you have to play by the rules, but if you don't, it doesn't matter. And, and that was hard. And I go, hey, look it, I get it. People have the right to protest. Um, I get what you're saying, 
but he's doing this for the health and safety. And and some people just, you know, again, being home for 13 weeks in certain cases, sometimes 17 because people were in this longer before we were, um, rightfully so. I know they're upset and, and they're sitting home festering and there's nothing on TV and it's all negative stuff on the, you know, coming out, you know, about different cases and different scenarios. I get it. And I can't answer that question. And I couldn't really so answer that. Let me ask you this, though. I mean, okay, we are where we are. We're in phase three now. And, um, you know, we that means limited indoor dining. That means, uh, you know, we've got nail salons and tattoo parlors. Apparently, it's all good personal care salons. You can get a haircut, which is awesome. Um, and yet, you know, what does phase four look like? No one knows. Is phase four back to normal? Is phase four, is there never a normal? We never go back to that? I mean, will we able, and again, just similarly, and I think Joe and I have had this conversation, you know, just among ourselves, because it's frustrating. I mean, summer in the capital region is all about the arts and all about being at these events and these fabulous offerings that we have that no one else has. And you do see thousands of people in the street, which is, you know, they're right. And, and it's an uprising and it's a movement. And SPAC can't have a thousand people on the lawn. It, 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 as I said, and when I, I've, I've already, not, I, I won't say argue, I've debated um, and tried to talk sense into people. And it's hard to have this argument, what you're just saying, like, oh, I'm sorry your kid can't graduate. You can't have a graduation. Um, but they're like, you can have a protest. And, and I'm not taking away from the movement of the protest, protest graduation. Right. I know. Listen, my daughter was supposed to get married May 24th. We had it canceled and then she moved it to August. And then I get a text and I was going to kind of joke around one time doing a press conference. I said, no, nah, I better not. And uh, she said, she was dad. I figured out how we can have the wedding. And I'm like, OK, you know, here it goes, because I'm trying to talk her off the ledge. And she goes, welcome to our uh, our protest. And that's what we'll call it. We can have 300 people. And no one can say anything. I'm like, yeah, it you can have 3000 people. Yeah, but I, mean, I said to her, that, you know, it doesn't work that way for dad. I, I'm held to a different standard. So well, I the problem with a wedding, though, is like, uh, uh, I mean, yes, a, a protest is a planned event. And we know we have seen that these events are planned and we see it on social media and Facebook. But like, you'd have to have basically like, um, what do they call that when people all show up and it's semi, uh, it's semi, it's like a crowd. What is it? Joe, help me. Flash mob. Flash a mob. flash mob, mob wedding. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. what yeah. you would have to have. And you can't, how can you tell your vendor, I might feed 200 or I might feed 2,000? <laughs> like, that's no, true. I know. I it, Listen, I, and, you know, I know. And it's tough. And look, I will say this to you, you two, that um, the governor has done a great job on a lot of things. You know, he, he's handled a lot of tough decisions like I have. Um, decisions that, you know, um, that you have to make and you hope they're the best. And, and, and somebody asked me this question, they go, well, how is it easier for you? And I go, it's not, but in a lot of ways, I go, look at 31 years in the military, being in Iraq, um, a firefighter, you know, I said, you pull up to a burning building. It's just like a police officer. When you respond to a scene, you have less than five seconds to decide how you're going to attack that fire or deal with a disturbance call, right? In the most part. And well, you have to, yeah, but, Hold on. We, we knew, though, I mean, we knew early on, fairly early on, that this virus was taking a disproportionate toll in nursing homes and oh, yeah. um, low income folks and, you know, people who were, uh, you know, had comorbidity, who had heart problems, who might have had obesity, who had, I think diabetes might have been another one. Yes, that so, diabetes was in there. I didn't realize that either. That okay. one, yeah. So, I mean, the nursing home thing, you know, somewhere along the line, you have to course correct. Now they did. It just seemed like it took an awfully long time. 
No, look, look at it. Um, was I happy have to take in COVID patients into my nursing home? You didn't no, didn't have we to. Had... Apparently, Mr. McLaughlin did not. <laughs> yeah, Mike. Mike did not. He, or, you know, or Mike, Steve. Excuse Steve, me. Yeah. Steve, I don't know why I said Mike. Steve did not. Um, you know, I did. I followed orders. You know, and and uh, you know, these are things that we have to uh, deal with going forward. But at the time, I, you know, listen, I can't defend the governor's decision, but I can say this. He was faced with a much bigger scenario going on a statewide level that they thought was going to hit differently, and he made that decision. Um, it's the same thing. And, Liz, and you are correct what you just said. And, and this bothers me, too, when everyone's, like, pointing fingers. Wait a minute. If you're watching what was going on in China, I was watching what was going on in Italy and Germany. We knew it was coming. We just didn't know when, you know, but we knew it was coming to us. Um, and you're right what you said. That was what bothered me the most. Wait, we should have been ready for the nursing homes. We should have been ready for the um, certain disproportionate people that are affected by this. That's why we, we're the only county in the state of New York to set up mobile testing sites um, in these communities. Uh, I help Schenectady. I help Rensselaer County. So we could address that underlining issue. So as we go forward, we have a baseline. And we found from us, and, and it could be, you know, with the testing, that it didn't affect that community, but it, they were more African-Americans in the hospital than anyone else, you know? So that they got, that affected them more, but I'm not saying the uh, COVID didn't, but the reality is that uh, that mobile testing helped, but um, we still need people to get out and get tested. And the problem is our testing numbers are dropping because mm -hmm. they're dropping because people are like, I'm done with it. I'm over. Numbers aren't up. So there are a few, you know, you know, in the beginning, everyone wants to get tested. Now everyone's like, yeah, hey, you want to test? Yeah, no, I'm good. Well, here's another thing. I mean, first of all, I, we still don't know if schools are going to open or how, although the governor sort of alluded to that there's going to be plans in place. You know, it's going to be coming soon in terms of our uh, announcements, et cetera. But um, are we going to have a second wave? It's, they've been talking about, it, you know, it depends on who you, you listen to and watch, right? It's, it's so confusing for us, too. Um, we're being told, be ready for a second wave in October, right? So are we back up and running finally by October? Then we shut down again. I don't ever see this country shutting down because of the economic impact it has had on society. And if you look at New Zealand, uh, they, stayed, and they stayed open through this whole thing. And their population is only like 9.8 million. But they let it run its course in that country without shutting down. It primarily affected the senior population with people with underlying health issues. Uh, do you do that? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I can tell you trying to jumpstart the economy and then come October saying, hey, I know you're fully open, but now you're going to shut down again. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit of finances. Um, where are you and how frustrating is it that you don't have any uh, any information again with the communication? I mean, although I have to say to the governor, he's been pretty clear on this, which is to say he's not telling you anything until about cuts until he gets some kind of sign from Washington. So I guess we could blame Washington on that. Um, yeah, to to a degree, Liz. But one thing that has been left off in the radar, and um, and uh, I will say this kind of since you've moved on from your other uh, position you had, uh, the senators and assembly members uh, gave the governor's budget director ultimate power. Now, ultimate power had no idea what that stood for, didn't know what that meant by what they did. Uh, but basically, Mojica could come in October and saying, hey, we didn't get our bailout. We're in debt. And we're passing this. That's down Robert to the, Mahika, the budget director. For those of you who don't speak all me shorthand, sorry. Go ahead, sir. Continue. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> uh, 
so they, I appreciate that. So they, they, they said, come October, he can do this, and they have 10 days to act. Imagine mm-hmm. that. So I don't know what kind of pain we're going to be put in if the if the governor, you know, they had a $6.2 billion deficit before the start, not caused by me, by them, uh, and now they're probably up to 16 or $20 billion. Um, and if, you know, if they don't get this fifth stimulus package, uh, we're in trouble. You know, they well, held up our the whole thing. You gotta, but you gotta also think like, if I know anything from covering budgets, you know, somebody comes in high, somebody comes in low. I mean, you never start a bidding war at the price that you're willing to pay. Right. So you have to assume, I mean, the governor says we're 13 to $16 billion in the hole. I have to believe him because I can't see the finances. So, you know, I right. don't know what the books look like from the state. But then he says, well, what the state needs is 60 billion, I think the word was, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you're right. The last I heard was 50 billion. And now, now, now you are correct. It's probably upwards of $60 billion. Um, and again, responding to this, but in loss of revenue and everything else. And uh, we're in the same boat. You know, we, you know, my budget's roughly $730 million. And we're off about between 30 and 40 million. Uh, so, you know, and it's going to depend how the second sales tax quarter comes in. Uh, July 1st will really the, tell me. Well, interestingly, though, the national sales t- numbers have been incredible. The, apparently, we had this insane retail. People were so tired to your end, to your point where they were like, I'm done, McCoy. I'm not doing this anymore. So much so that they just went out and went back to spending, apparently. They did. Actually, when when uh, things started to open up, it was, you know, I, I saw Marshalls in Claremont. There was, it had to be 80 people outside to 100 waiting to get inside just to shop. People were out there. So I'm hoping we do see that uptick. And, and, and you know, and with gas prices so low, I'm hoping that people are out um, that are non-essential workers now coming back to the workforce that are going to be out. And uh, we're going to see that revenue uptick. Uh, what I can't predict, and I've said this, is what they're going to do, the state's going to do to us in October. Like, you know, them holding up our FMAP, we had a fight in D.C. They tried, you know, uh, Senator Schumer um, fought and, and won and prevailed when the governor was trying to move the FMAP money to the state and take it away from the counties. And then he sat on it, and uh, Steve Aquario and NISAC had to fight to get that money released, which now he said the other day he's going to release it to us finally. Right. So we're going to have these issues going forward that I can't predict. Um, I can only see what what I'm dealing with now on a local level going forward, and it's tough. It's tough, and everyone wants to give relief to everybody, and I get it. We want to do the same thing and uh, for businesses and stuff like that, but um, that's what pays our bills going forward, and if we're not getting money from that, uh, you can't do services, right? Well, I do have to ask before we go, You, we are taping this actually on, on Juneteenth, and the governor gave all the state workers off. Did you do the same for your employees? I did. I, I did, Liz. When when he announced it on Wednesday, um, I had the privilege of going to Pastor Tram's uh, law enforcement prayer vigil discussion he was having at our TU atrium. So uh, I decided at that point in time, as I was walking over there, that I, I would do it. And it was the right thing to do. They'll, they'll make it law next year. But with the way the unrest is in, in, in our country going forward, um, I thought it was the right thing to do. But I did say today uh, at my daily press conference that, uh, you know, when he, I talk to people, right, just kids in general, even adults, and you go, hey, what's Memorial Day for? Oh, I got a three-day weekend. No, 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 no. Why do you have it? Or Labor Day or Fourth of July or Lincoln's Birth. Most people don't even realize. And I said there should be an educational approach to this where people just don't get the day off to get the day off. You get you know, Dr. King's birthday off, you know, there's a variety of things and people are like, okay, who's that? You know, they don't even know who he is. And, and that's what I'm saying. We need to educate why this day was so important, 
um, that Abraham Lincoln passed, and it took two years to get it enforced back in them days, right? Why it's so important, and um, and I thought it was the right thing to do for 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 us here in Albany County to move forward. Okay, okay, so um, we're gonna have to let you go, unfortunately, but hopefully yep. you will come back and um, join us. Uh, for a, a little bit more of a, a in-depth discussion, we, we should talk a little bit more also about, you know, law enforcement reform, et cetera. But um, I'm going to have to let you go, County Exec. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Be well. Stay Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Beth. Catch new episodes of The Mix each week exclusively on civmix.com.